0: Good day, folks. This is Shane Hasty for the InfoQ Culture Podcast. I'm at the Business Agility Conference in Sydney, and I'm sitting down with Nigel Dalton. Nigel, welcome. Thank you. I'm pleased to be back after a a long break with you. It has been a while. We've both got
1: new jobs since the last time we spoke in Melbourne at Agile Australia. And I I
0: guess as long as we're learning, we're happy. Indeed. So, obviously, you and I know each other well. Would you mind giving the audience just a very quick 30 second who's Nigel? Sure. I've been involved in the Agile community for 18 years now, allegedly
1: the godfather of Agile in Australia. A a moniker bestowed upon me in the course of a joke at a conference, but I was in America when the Agile movement kind of started to gain its labelling and I have some fame for exploiting what amount to software development techniques for things beyond software. I did that in the startup I was working in in America. And then Lonely Planet, which was one of the great two experiments, I think, in Australia with Suncorp and the Lonely Planet experiment. Radical ways of approaching organisational change and improvement in productivity, I think both of those experiments have had their challenges over the years, and, but they both created an amazing diaspora of yes. people. That's what I'm most proud of. I'm now at REA Group, having been there, helping run realestate.com.au and property portals and lifestyle sites around the world, and I've moved from being chief information officer, which I did for five years, to being the chief inventor, Shane. So what does a chief inventor do in the digital age? It's an interesting role because we effectively realise we innovate on a daily basis. And finding product market, product customer fit, which is a good definition of innovation, is something our teams do daily. We've got 52 teams squads or otherwise that's all they do because we solved the simple problems of online real estate 20 years ago putting the photographs of second hand houses on the internet not actually that hard anymore using AI to match people up to a great real estate agent a great mortgage great content great tradies pushed in before you even know you need to buy another rental property as an investment that's our goal and that requires something before innovation it's Mm -hmm. the science of invention which is an old one and a very simple one. It's just combine two ingredients in this bowl here that you might not have thought of combining before. and very deliberate practice for us. We do it at our hackathons. We do it in a small research lab. And some of those combinations are quite interesting. Any examples you can share? Our most successful invention is virtual reality property tours in the rental market. And it comes from a realization that the problem to be solved is a lack of time. It's a bit of a universal 21st century dilemma. And a lot of people lose a lot of time going to rental open for inspections and would be happy to wear a headset and have a walk around in virtual reality. So the combination of that technology being available and renting was an unlikely one. We actually started out thinking, oh, people will like to do a tour of a very large mansion, a glamorous place, before they do a thing. It actually turned out to not be a problem to solve. As do 49 out of 50 things we make in REA Labs either fail or weren't a problem in the first place.
0: So that ability to rapidly
1: learn. It is. It's really rapid learning cycles. And the hardest part about that is I'm human, as are my team, and we get emotionally involved in our products. We love the idea, but it doesn't actually mean they are a product.
0: Coming back to Agile. Yes. And you've been part of the Agile community here in Australia pretty much from the get-go and I think that moniker of Godfather is reasonable. It's
1: defendable. <laughs> it's a very, very, very good practical joke that Roy Singham played on me all those years ago. <laughs>
0: But you also recently stated, Agile is the
1: last thing you need. It is. I'm a cheeky fellow. I've learned from you, Shane, about good headlines are what captures the attention of folks. So I think they call that link bait in the internet world. It is the last thing you need, and that's part of my reflection and learning much more about how our organization works. The chance to be inside an ecosystem, a value stream in an industry for six years, which I've been there now, has been tremendous. It's the longest I've ever stayed anywhere. And once we got that Agile team squads thing underway, I took a step back. And so many visitors come to the REA group in Melbourne, in Richmond, to see Agile. They've been sent by their boss, probably 1,500 visitors a year, hundreds of tours. They come to see Agile because they've been told by their boss if they can get Agile, they won't be disrupted. And being disrupted by a facebook or a google or an amazon or otherwise high on people's minds in australian business so they come along to look uh, and then the funny thing is we've got lots of agile It comes in all colors at our place but it isn't actually the answer so i do i love to tease them a little bit and go look actually it's not the answer and i can give you all the little post-it notes you like and teach you how to do stand-ups and There's actually a more complicated thing at play here. I'd say 80% of the visitors come are actually seeking something different. They're seeking resilience. And I use the simplest definition of resilience as bounce-back ability. Thanks to the Crystal Palace football manager from a few years ago describing why they were any good, was their ability to bounce back from adversity. But agile doesn't make you resilient. And eventually, kind of drawing all these dots on a piece of paper, I think I figured the path out and it's sort of, if you imagine a circle that with Agile at the top, at 12 o'clock in the prime position, an Agile workplace, an Agile factory devoted to testing and learning, able to adjust their roadmaps at any point in time. That's actually position four. It's the last one. But it's like the iceberg. That's what you see. It's what you idolize. At three o'clock is the first significant starting point, which is management. And my goodness, is there a more loaded term in modern Australian yeah. business, is it? Yeah, we hate managers. We don't want managers. We don't want to be a manager. That's my yeah. biggest problem because we've been bullied. Or And effectively, management is a, like a strong DNA of handing down. And I learned to manage from somebody who was taught how to manage in the 60s. I learned that in the 80s. And they'd really, they been taught by someone in a post-war command and control theory set where it was believed things were relatively simple and if you just had a five year business strategy and a three year plan and a one year budget everything could be controlled and no chaos would ensue.
0: And the manager's job was to do the thinking and the worker just did what they were told. That's right, they
1: had the ideas and passed that into the hands of the workers so... That put a lot of people off. I think a lot of Australians got bullied by managers in the 90s as things started to go a bit pear-shaped. Not everything ran as predictably as was promised on the packet. And in the 2000s, a serious crisis. So management, I need to reclaim. I need to claim it. We've, We've disguised it as everything but management. Like even at our place, we're a bit embarrassed by the term. So we've got leadership essentials, leadership training, leadership 101, leadership communication, leadership under pressure. Yet leadership is just one dimension of management. It also includes an understanding of strategy, of organization of people and of money and budgeting and creating a clear sense of purpose and demonstrating values. That is management and was best defined by the likes of Toyota and the lean movement and in, and in terms of systems thinking. But we just need to reclaim it from it being bully boy, shouty managers into something good so well-managed people do lead to resilient people so the trick there is you're not going to get everyone over the line well managed in an organization on day one and resilient people they bounce back they have the headspace the kind of psychological safety is something we talked about at the conference today to be creative, so you unleash the okay. I can spend some time thinking about a different way of doing this. What if I combine these two elements instead? Mm-hmm. And that's so. Three o'clock is management. Six o'clock is resilience. Nine o'clock on the on the clock face is creativity. Mm-hmm. And you finally have a place for agility because you've got some new ideas. You need a factory that can build them with mm-hmm. a changeable schedule and an adaptivity and a test and learn mentality. So now you need it. Now, I wouldn't necessarily start building them in that order. I think it's like a little bit of all of those things
0: in parallel is the way to do it. Yet, What we most often see is people going out, uh, organizations going out to the marketplace, going to a consultant and say, give me a dose of Agile. Make my people agile tomorrow. Yeah, they want to buy some agile, basically, and it's about as dumb
1: as wanting to buy some DevOps from our you know our more technical hats on. and the end result of this distaste for management has been they've had the ability to have that voice. So if you think there's a vacuum of managers, nobody wants to be at three o'clock on my diagram because it's, just not a desirable job yeah, it's not sexy so nobody's doing good management thinking right mm-hmm. and into the vacuum of that pours all of this diatribe from the zealots of agility face it it's really good if you've got teams building stuff in with the software element to it but it's not going to tell you much about strategy and i think that was the massive lonely planet lesson for me was, you know, we were as agile as all get out. We had increased productivity immensely. Our experiments were testing and learning. Our strategy was to pour all of the savings and productivity improvements into color maps in guidebooks that were printed. And our strategy landscape was, well, you know what those Google Maps made, nah. If you'd opened them up on an iPhone 3 at the time, well, half the roads weren't there. And the labels were wrong. And TripAdvisor was comedy. It was hundreds of people moaning about the tea. You could tell they were from England. Hundreds of people moaning about the size of the room. And well, they're from America. And that's not professional expert travel advice. So we chose to invest our strategy in the wrong place. And well, it, it's, it barely exists today in comparison. That's why management so important. And that's why the agileists will never be able to fill that vacuum. Really efficiently solving the wrong problem. Oh, well, that's been said many times. I, I agree. I've made organizations where teams can go really fast at fixing the wrong thing. And that does require a little bit of judgment and, and analysis and thinking. And if good management has always turned out to have some similarities to agility, listening to customers, doing the Gemba, those kind of things. But my life's investigation the last 20 years of curiosity is, where did this agile thing come from? has led me back to the original sources.
0: I mean it didn't spring into existence in February 2001? I know, it's a miracle, isn't it? But no. And the DNA links back from even that February 12,
1: 2001 link. Who knew who? Who saw what? The Scrum people were terribly important in that, Um, Sutherland and Schwaber, who were the main people who read the article the new new product development game in hbr in 1986 i see agile's journey as being a group of really talented clever professionals being beaten down in the 90s just told to work like effectively just low ranking rank and file employees do what we are told make what we tell you as as we are the management we are the business we can tell you what to do and i think that largely led to the agile manifesto and as a result of that being in the era in which software was everything you and i made our fortunes in that era so i'm not complaining about it okay and the previous era had been more about manufacturing in the 80s and 90s and the coincidence that i really I'm fascinated by is you had a group of people who were savvy with web programming picking up a movement and basically spreading it like a virus through the web the origins of lean and systems thinking if you go back to toyota for example or just to go a short distance back well, there wasn't even a book there was not a toyota production system manual until the early 90s when the first Americans were called in to start, you know what, I'm sorry, we're going to have to decode it for you for the first time ever. And it's, there's some suggestions that the Toyota people actually obfuscated the Toyota production system for all of those Western consultants coming through, looking through the keyhole and going, oh, I see, it's how many errors per million. That's the critical factor. Oh, it's quality circles. Or it's
0: the end-on cord. Or...
1: And getting one thing out of a very complex humanistic system And so it's not really until the 90s, we saw the whole thing come together. They didn't have the internet. So the best they could do was publish books. So you got the machine that changed the world on top of uh, Deming's book, and it was codified. It's there to be found, but it's now lost and absolutely swamped by the web, by wikis, by blogs and podcasts and, and snackable media that has really driven the agile movement today. And I'm I'm saying, okay, everybody, time to get your wallet out and, and pay that $75 for those old out-of-print books, out of print books
0: yeah. um, and read them. So we've looked backwards a bit, and, yeah, there's a whole lot of history that I tend to agree with you. It's been obscured. And when you do go back to some of that early writing, it's almost an epiphany. I would encourage our readers, go and read that Harvard Business Review article from, from 1986 that was the new, new product development game, the, the foundation of what became Scrum and many others. But what about going forward? A while back, you and I sat down and there was a 20 by 2020.
1: Oh, I hate the fact you've got such a good memory, Shane, because I don't think we're going to get there now. And that's and disturbing to me. I've cheerleaded a number of transformations from the sidelines in my various roles as godfather or as, as manager at realestate.com.au. They've come and gone. They've not stuck, they've not managed it, but I am looking very closely to the ANZ Banks project in Australia. Mm-hmm. CEO-led, there's a lot of commitments out there. It's twenty to 30,000 people needing to change, and whatever we can do, it wouldn't get me to 20%, but it would get me to five, I think, yeah. in terms of organisations, because there isn't an organisation really with less than 150 people who doesn't have an element of agility in their way of working. Unless they're a hard core welding, engineering, bridge making company, it's just natural. Up to 50, you're in the same kind of floor space. 150, you've worked this stuff out. Beyond 150 is where the problems begin. But I'm still passionate about it. I think if we can make more organizations work with some of these humanistic principles, those fundamentals of lean, emphasize value, are we building the right things? Flow is the work flowing and waste elimination. Are we continuously improving our efficiency? We'll make more jobs. We'll make successful companies. And part of my chief inventor role is I'd like to be chief inventor of all the inventors in Australia and New Zealand too because we actually have become allergic to innovation as a word almost as much as management. And innovation in Australia now is a really terrible word to use, as is agile. It got used politically at Malcolm Turnbull's acceptance speech of the role of coalition leader when Mr Abbott disappeared from our... He said, we're going to make an agile country, you know, and we're going to innovate. And now in Australia, there's a strange political phenomenon. If you say innovation, it means a robot taking a working class job. So it's really unwise to use those phrases and agile. Uh, He meant it in a more flexible sense, not in terms of the entire
0: nation standing in front of a Kanban board. But I do know the following day, pretty much every government department phoned one of the consulting firms and said, make us agile. Uh,
1: Well, what a boom. And as consultants, we can't argue against that. That's that's, that's a good thing. So there's a path to our future for this. A large organisation getting it without having to resort to an old waterfall methodology dressed up in 21st century clothes that's not the answer it is about what we talked about at the conference today konosuke matsushita talking about engaging the mind of everyone in your business in the customer's needs and you will survive this volatile uncertain complex ambiguous environment we're now navigating no question it's going to get faster more volatile more uncertain more complex and more ambiguous and the tool set is in front of us. If you've got software involvement, by all means start thinking about agile methods. If you're a manufacturer, start thinking about lean methods. If you're a service-oriented organisation like a government department or a retailer, start looking into systems thinking and some of the vanguard methods and John Seddon's work there. There's a ton of tools. They're out there. They're underutilised. And I think between the tools and a generation of young people I admire coming through now, the future's good, I'm optimistic. We're generating a generation of graduates at our place who come straight out of school, they, they delight in teasing and going, hey, granddad, what did you do in the war? Tell us again what you did in the war, by which they mean, tell us about those old days with waterfall software development. And then they roll on the floor laughing, going, oh my goodness, you thought you could tie down a thing before you'd even tried it. And I love the fact that it's so counterintuitive to a generation. So it's really I think the thing that will cause the massive revolution by twenty thirty is arterial sclerosis, which is difficult to say and terrible to spell, but largely amounts to heart attacks for old sixty-year-old white guys in charge of major corporations. And a more diverse thinking, diverse culturally generation coming through and taking on our companies. I just hope in the next ten years we don't break anymore. You know, I don't more lonely planets is not what we need. We need jobs for our children. You get jobs for our children by serving customers anywhere in the world now. And I think what Australia and New Zealand have that's special is we're super inventors. What's the New Zealand phrase about? Is it it's number eight number eight wire. Number eight wire. We can and I'm a farming kid, grew up on a farm. You could solve any problem with this beautifully malleable wire that was both strong but malleable. That's inventing. And my pitch back to those who influence government in Australia now, because I suddenly find myself in those weird circles, is we we go to this next period of time and we start talking about Australians' inventiveness. Because everyone has an inventor in the family, you know. It was Mm. Auntie Jenny who figured out how if you did this and that you could harvest the the plums quicker, or Uncle Stan who was welding weird things in the shed. Almost every family has an inventor, and so many of those invention stories... Mm. know new zealand's inventors have been incredible the jet boat wow where did that come from and look at what an incredible thing that's become over time i worry about new zealand's agenda economically because you have overtly chosen full employment through low-paid tourism and agriculture jobs over investment in high gdp per capita tech roles so perhaps you know agile doesn't have the breadth it has here and we I think we've got a little more investment in the, in the higher tech roles but that's over to you mate you just sort that out back at home for me so I can retire back and no be- challenge beautiful vineyard in the Hawke's Bay speaking at conferences in warm countries with low crime rates and writing books
0: as always Nigel great to catch up thanks for taking the time to talk
1: thanks for coming over I know you're a man who goes around the world it's great to have you in Australia so if people want
0: to continue the conversation, where do they find you?
1: I'm on Twitter. I know it's a terrible platform full of Nazis and doesn't make money. But when curated well, it's an amazing communication and learning platform. I rely on people like you and your filtering of what's amazing and new to learn for me. And my I, I pitch back whatever I can find out from my particular areas. And a DM on Twitter will always get me. Thanks so much. Cheers.